0: Well, 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 things just keep getting worse. Things are getting worse and worse for the Republican Party and for Donald Trump. But when you're dealing with a cult, I don't think the truth actually matters anymore. A grand jury in Georgia that's looking into Donald Trump's conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election in that state said today, the grand jury said today, Trump was wrong. They found absolutely no evidence of voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Now, not a single judge or jury in nearly 50 cases have been able to uncover voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. Doesn't matter. We're talking about a religion, the religion of Trump. So the truth doesn't matter. Dominion Voting is suing Fox News for $1.5 billion, as well as Rudy Giuliani and a couple of other charlatans. Uh, But Dominion is suing Fox News for $1.5 billion for defamation, for spreading lies about the 2020 election, for spreading lies about Dominion voting machines. I reported on this a month ago. I reported on the depositions Given by Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, who, under oath, all said they didn't believe a single word Donald Trump was saying about 2020. The depositions last night were made public. Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram, all from Fox News, all said, under oath and in texts revealed, that Rudy Giuliani is a nut that Sidney Powell, the other attorney, is a nut. They all said in their texts to each other that the Trump campaign, that Donald Trump was lying about the election results. Journalistic ethics do not apply to Fox News or the right-wing propaganda machine because this isn't about the truth. This is a cult. The Georgia grand jury also said that several key witnesses who testified may have committed perjury. Among those who testified before the Georgia grand jury were Senator Lindsey Graham and Rudy Giuliani, who were both asked under oath about the role they played in trying to convince Georgia's secretary of state that Biden lost Georgia in 2020. Okay, it's getting worse. The evidence has been been there for years. It doesn't matter to Republicans or Trump supporters. Does it matter to our Justice Department? Lawyers for five leaders of the Proud Boys who are on trial for seditious conspiracy in the role they played in the January 6th insurrection, have asked the judge in their case to subpoena Donald Trump in an attempt to prove the Proud Boys were acting on orders from the White House when they stormed the nation's capital. Meanwhile, one of the lead members of the Proud Boys has already pleaded guilty to seditious conspiracy and he is serving as a key witness for the prosecution. Seditious conspiracy. We already had Oath Keepers convicted last month and in November of seditious conspiracy. This was an insurrection. Now, as we've already talked about on this show, Enrico Terrio, he is the leader of the Proud Boys, as we've reported on this show last year, he was already an informer for federal and local police going all the way back to 2012. We're working off a Reuters story that came out last year. Well, the Washington Post is now reporting that the head of Washington, D.C.'s police intelligence, he was the head of Washington, D.C.'s police intelligence at least during the run up to January 6, he was suspended. His name is Shane Lamond. He's a 22-year-old police veteran. He has been suspended this week as the FBI investigates new evidence that he was in communication with Enrique Terrio, the head of the Proud Boys. He was in communication with them for months leading up to the attack on the Capitol. New text messages between Enrico Terrio, the head of the Proud Boys, and Shane Lamond, who was Washington, D.C.'s police intelligence chief. New text messages show the head of Washington, D.C. police intelligence was telling the head of the Proud Boys where and when he was likely to be arrested. He was also, according to The Washington Post, sharing the status of Washington, D.C. police investigations into the Proud Boy leader's friends. Lieutenant LeBond, the suspended intelligence chief for Washington, D.C. police, LeBond insists that's how D.C. intelligence handles an informer. Perhaps, but the FBI is looking into this. Lawyers for Enrique Terrio, the head of the Proud Boys, Enrique Terrio, they want to call Lamond, the suspended Washington, D.C. intelligence chief. They want him to testify in order to prove the Proud Boys did not conspire to bring about the events of January 6th. They want to prove that the Proud Boys were in constant communication with D.C. police in the lead up to the January 6th insurrection. Now, we've reported based on the work of Reuters that Enrique Terrio, the head of the Proud Boys, was an FBI informer and as well as an informer to the Washington, D.C. police. So it is conceivable he was being handled by Washington, D.C. police uh, intelligence chief and being given information to get information. I understanding that. OK, I understand that. But we are watching a Justice Department convict oath keepers of seditious conspiracy. Right. They they got two convictions in two separate trials. Uh, we know Enrique Terrio, head of the Proud Boys, was meeting with Stuart Rhodes, who was the head of the oath keepers, in a garage the night before January 6th. Stuart Rhodes, the Yale educated founder of the Oath Keepers, was convicted last November of seditious conspiracy in the role he played in January 6th. He testified under oath, Stuart Rhodes, that he was waiting to be called by Donald Trump to take action. He was expecting Donald Trump to issue some kind of mandate, some kind of insurrection act and deputize the Oath Keepers. So what did the Trump Justice Department know in the lead up to January six? What did Washington, D.C. police know in the lead up to January six? What did the Secret Service know in the lead-up to January 6th? Could they have stopped it? Did they want it to happen? Well, things don't look good for Donald Trump. I don't know if that matters. If this were another country, it would look bad for Trump. In this country, things may be looking up for him It's gotten so bad. But things seem to be perhaps looking bad for Trump. And so other Republicans are thinking of running. This week, Nikki Haley said she is no longer thinking about it because she doesn't think about anything. That's why she declared her candidacy for president of the United States. Nikki Haley made the announcement before a rally of low-information voters in her home state of South Carolina. And before the big declaration, she said what she, as governor, ordered all state employees to say when they answered the phone.
1: It's a great day in South Carolina!
0: And right before making the big announcement, she thanked all the people who warmed the crowd up for her, including a Pastor Hagee.
1: You know, I have to say before I start, I've got to give a shout out to the people who took the podium before me. Um, To Pastor Hagee, I still say I want to be you when I grow up. Thank you.
0: Pastor Hagee, Pastor Hagee, Pastor Hagee.
1: I still say I want to be you when I grow up. Thank you.
0: That's sweet. She wants to be just like Pastor Hagee when she's when she grows up. And I was trying to remember Pastor Hagee. Why does that name sound so familiar? And then I remembered that Pastor Hagee hates Jews, Catholics, Muslims, and homosexuals. Pastor Hagee is a bigot, and he's a Christian minister. Of all the religious leaders to christen her voyage, Nikki Haley picked Satan. He is Satan. In 1968, John Hagee endorsed the third party bid of segregationist George Wallace for president. Now, back in 2008, he is he is an opportunistic infection uh, when when it became apparent that John McCain was going to get the Republican nomination, Pastor Hagee endorsed him. McCain accepted the endorsement, but then rejected it. This is from the 2008 Washington Post. Senator John McCain on Thursday repudiated the presidential endorsement of the Reverend John Hagee after learning about a sermon in which the mega church pastor from San Antonio declared that God allowed the rise of Adolf Hitler because it resulted in returning Israel to the Jewish people. But it gets a lot worse. It gets a lot worse than that. Sermons of Pastor Hagee had materialized in 2008. Eight, in which he went on about the Holocaust, saying it was God's will. And then uh, Max Blumenthal, the great reporter, reviewed all his sermons back in 2008 and reported that Hagee told his congregants the Antichrist was a Jewish homosexual, which makes no sense. But it does explain the Andy Cohen phenomenon On Bravo. Nikki, any comments about Pastor Hagee, your opener?
1: I still say I want to be you when I grow up. Thank you.
0: You still say that you want to be like Pastor Hagee when you grow up, even though Pastor Hagee said after Hurricane Katrina in 2005 that uh, it was the fault of a planned gay pride parade. Thousands of people lost their lives in 2005 after Hurricane Katrina. And Pastor Hagee says it was all caused by a gay pride parade that New Orleans was planning for that week. Nikki Haley, what are your thoughts about the pastor you picked to open up your run for president.
1: I still say I want to be you when I grow up. Thank you.
0: Kind of like Ronald Reagan declaring his candidacy in in Philadelphia, Mississippi, the site of the slaughter of all those civil rights workers. You're just sending a message, aren't you, Nikki Haley? You're sending a message by asking John Hagee, pastor John Hagee, Satan asking him to be the religious leader you turn to, to christen your campaign. You're sending a signal, the same signal Ronald Reagan sent in 1980 in Philadelphia, Mississippi, that you have no problem with xenophobic bigots. You are running Nikki Haley in a party that hates you. They hate you because you're a woman they hate you because you're not white. They hate you because at one time in your life, you were a Sikh. It's pronounced Sikh in, among the Punjabis, so, but we'll call you Sikh for the American audience. You were born a Sikh and you converted to Christianity, but the people whose votes you're asking for, they're not going to give it to you because they still see you as a Sikh They still see you as a woman and a person of color. Now, some Republicans, Nikki, they'll pretend to support you. But then there are the more responsible Republicans, the ones who speak the truth, like Ann Coulter, who went on local radio in New York on Thursday to tell Nikki Haley she should go back to India which is strange because Nikki was born in South Carolina but with this Republican party the truth doesn't matter. Ann Coulter then said, "Quote, this is my country, lady," insisting Nikki Haley, who Ann Coulter referred to as "baby cakes," insisting she was from India, Coulter said, "Quote, what's the what's with the worshiping of cows?" They're all starving there, and they're worshipping cows? This is Ann Coulter, the uh, considered the, the Bill Buckley of paleoconservatives in the Republican Party. What's with the worshipping of cows? They're all starving there, and they're worshipping cows? So Ann Coulter, let me explain this, you racist moron. See, cows are sacred in India because partly because they are starving. Cows produce milk, which means they produce cheese, which means if you keep the cow alive and don't eat it for the meat, the cow can feed a village. But if you kill the cow for the meat, you end up starving the village. But why would someone like you who denies climate change, Ann Coulter, think one extra step into the future and plan what's best for the community. Nikki Haley is trying to get the votes from people who are racist, misogynistic, they're bigoted, they're fueled by hate. But most importantly, this entire Republican Party is the party of stupid. Ann Coulter will eventually claim she didn't mean it. She was just making a joke. But the truth is, There was a time, even in the Republican Party, when yesterday's comments by Ann Coulter would destroy her career. Now, it only enhances it, at least in right-wing media, which celebrates ignorance. These new Fox text messages between Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity, and and uh, Tucker Carlson, it doesn't matter what the truth is, as long as it's bigoted and hateful. Now, we know, we know Republicans are stupid. The people who vote Republican are stupid, and they are easily talked into voting against their own interests. But Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, she is that rare politician who is running against her own interests. The height of stupidity. To get a single Republican vote, Nikki Haley must stake out positions that injure her gender, skin color, her parents' religion, her body. This is unadulterated Ambition, pure, unadulterated ambition that you see in Nikki Haley. And she's not too smart. Nikki Haley was Donald Trump's ambassador to the United Nations. Before that, she was the Republican governor of South Carolina. And on Wednesday, after first seeking permission from Mr. Trump to run, Nikki announced she was running for president And she is, to put it gently, a portrait in contradiction. Although she is running as a person of color, she supports strict voter ID laws that make it difficult, if not impossible, for other people of color to cast their ballots. Although Nikki Haley is a woman, She opposes a woman's right to choose when it comes to her own reproductive rights. Well, how did Nikki Haley do as governor? She's going to run on her record. She left office in 2017 to become Donald Trump's U.N. ambassador. Here's her record. South Carolina is among the 10 poorest states in America that is former governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley's record.
1: It's a great day in South Carolina.
0: It's a great day in South Carolina if you're at Charleston International Airport leaving it. Because of rampant poverty, that Nikki Haley did nothing. To alleviate, South Carolina is among the top 10 hungriest states in America.
1: It's a great day in South Carolina.
0: Basically, when Nikki Haley keeps saying it's a great day in South Carolina, and that's what all government employees were Ordered to say when they answered the phone, it's a great day in South Carolina. Uh, you're basically bragging about the weather. You can't be bragging about anything else about South Carolina other than its weather, which, if you haven't noticed, is getting a lot worse thanks to Nikki Haley's climate change denial as UN ambassador under Trump. It's no longer a great day in South Carolina. It's hotter, more humid, because of climate change. There's more flooding, more hurricanes, and a new breed of even nastier mosquitoes, one of whom is running for president. And that mosquito's name is Nikki Haley, who, as governor of South Carolina, made sure that South Carolina refused to accept Medicaid expansion under Obamacare. As a result, South Carolina's life expectancy is among the lowest in America. Among the lowest in America. Now, I know Republicans play golf, Nikki, but the idea with life expectancy, unlike your golf score, life expectancy is supposed to be high. See, when it comes to life expectancy South Carolina is shooting a 74 which is way below par and not that's not good to shoot below this kind of par you have no record to run on other than the very thing you oppose identity politics but it's not what she does for the voters It's what Nikki does for her corporate backers. She doesn't believe in Medicaid expansion, but she supports privatizing Medicare and turning it over to health insurance companies. Because what's good for corporate America is good for Nikki Haley. South Carolina is among the bottom seven when it comes to states with the highest death rates from car accidents. But Nikki Haley doesn't care because it's all about freedom, the freedom to go barreling through your windshield. Here she is back in 2010 when she was running for governor, being interviewed by the fine fellas from the Sons of Confederate Veterans. The Sons of Confederate Veterans Here she is trying to get them to vote for her. She is telling here. She is telling the sons of Confederate veterans that she's against seatbelt mandates and motorcycle helmet mandates, which means that when she becomes governor, her police won't ticket you for not buckling up. You won't get ticketed if you're a motorcyclist and you're not wearing a helmet even though brain injuries are perhaps the single most expensive medical expense for state-funded health care. Then again, brain injuries are also the Republican Party's single most effective recruitment program. Nikki Haley. Let's listen to Nikki Haley telling the sons of Confederate veterans back in 2010 that she is opposed to seatbelt, to seatbelt mandates.
1: And anybody in the House or Senate can tell you I do not support mandates. You know, whether it's seatbelt, whether it's helmet, whether it's anything, I've never voted for it. I've actually fought against it.
0: Mm. Well, here she is proving that she's also a constitutional scholar. Again, back in 2010, when the Sons of uh, the Confederacy, what, what are they? The Sons of Confederate Veterans, she was seeking the votes of the Sons of the Confederate Veterans. They asked if South Carolina, get ready for this, and trust me, it gets worse. They asked if South Carolina had the right to secede from the union.
1: Do you believe that the states of the United States have the right to secede from the union? I think that they do. I mean, the Constitution says that. If it became an issue where the state of South Carolina needed to secede from the union, would you support it? You know, I'm one of those people that doesn't think it's going to get to that point.
0: Let me tell you why. Mm, I don't think we need to know why. She says the Constitution says that South Carolina uh, has the right to secede from the Union. Whose Constitution are you talking about? The Confederacy's Constitution or the American Constitution? Because if you ever read the U.S. Constitution, you would know that no state is allowed to to secede. Um, the Confederate flag. This is a picture of one of the insurrectionists walking through the Capitol on January 6th, and uh, he's carrying a Confederate flag. Uh, the flag is a symbol of insurrection, of anti American racist hate. It is the Nazi flag, the Confederate flag is the Nazi flag. But it took a white supremacist by the name of Dylan Roof to shoot to death nine black people, including a state senator, in 2015 in South Carolina. It took this tragedy for Nikki Haley as governor to consider removing the Confederate flag from flying over her state house. Now, after the shooting... All the other flags above her state house were flown at half staff, except the Confederate flag. It continued to wave. Haley was too chicken shit to order the Confederate flag down or even fly at half staff, even though Dylan Roof, the mass murderer, was covered. In Confederate flags. This is Nikki Haley running for office back in 2010, telling the sons of the Confederacy her thoughts on the Confederate flag.
1: We'd like to know what your position is on the Confederate flag. You know, I feel like it's been resolved to the best of its ability. You know, for those groups that come in and say they have issues with the Confederate flag, I will work to talk to them about it. I will work and talk to them about the heritage and how this is not something that is racist. This is something that is a tradition that people feel proud of.
0: Hmm. It's, it's not racist. It's a tradition that people feel proud of. Slavery is not racist. It's a, a tradition, and I guess in certain parts of South Carolina, racism is a tradition and part of their heritage. Then Nikki Haley, back in 2010, was asked by the sons of the Confederate veterans if she would support Confederate History Month. Would you support confederate history month nikki haley we just support a confederate history month this
1: um i mean yes it's part of the traditional you know it's part of tradition and so when you look at that if you have the same as you have black history month and you have confederate history month and all of those as long as it's done where um it is in a positive way and not in a negative way, and it doesn't go to harm anyone, and it goes back to where it focuses on the traditions of um, the people that are wanting to celebrate it, then I think it's fine.
0: I think it's fine as long as it doesn't harm anybody because, you know, it was just a tradition. The the Confederate soldiers didn't harm anybody, right? They weren't trying to keep slavery. Uh, She equates Confederate history with black history. This is how an eighth grader thinks if that eighth grader hasn't been exposed to critical race theory. What was the Civil War about? It was about the whips, the raping, the separation of mothers from children, men and women separated, families sold off. We're talking about a Holocaust. This is not a tradition, this is not a heritage. This was a travesty. It is America's original sin. And you think it's harmless to celebrate Confederate history and paper over the history as though it was about tradition? This was about the mass slaughter of Africans. A tradition. A heritage. And yet... It gets worse. It gets worse. Nikki Haley is stupid. Nikki Haley is stupid. Watch how she gets tricked into a loaded question. This is a when did you stop beating your wife question. It's incredible. This, is, this woman wants to be president. Watch her get tricked by sons of... Confederate veterans. She's too stupid not to be tricked by the sons of Confederate veterans. This is a perfect example of a when did you stop beating your wife question. Here we go. Enjoy this.
1: What's your belief about the reason the Civil War was fought?
0: Let me just make sure you, you heard that properly. What is your belief as to why the Civil War was wrong, okay. Let's let's just watch that again. This is when did you stop beating your wife? We just fought a oh, Here we go. Hang on. Here we go. This is she's being asked. What's your support? Uh, what's your view on why the Civil War was wrong?
1: What's your belief about the reason the Civil War was wrong?
0: Yeah, give me the reason the Civil War was wrong. Like we all know the Civil War was wrong, but what's your reason? That the Civil War was wrong. This is the party that calls my father Antifa. My father was Antifa. He served in World War II, defeated Hitler, Mussolini. They're the bad guys in the Republican Party. Anybody who's against fascism is a terrorist, according to the Republican Party. And here is Nikki Haley answering a question The reason the Civil War was wrong and here is her answer. It gets worse.
1: I mean again I think that as we look in government, as we watch government, you have different sides and I think that you see passions on different sides. And I don't think anyone does anything out of hate. I think what they do is they do things out of tradition and out of beliefs of what they believe is right. Um, I think you had one side of the civil war that was fighting for tradition, and I think you had another side of the civil war that was fighting for change. You know, at the end of the day, what I think we need to remember is um, that, you know, everyone is supposed to have their rights, everyone's supposed to be free, everyone's supposed to have the same um, freedoms as anyone else, so, you know, I think it was tradition versus change is the way I see it. Tradition versus change on what? on individual
0: rights and liberty of people. So it, the Civil War was just a tradition versus change. That's how she saw the Civil War. It's just a, a difference of opinion. It, it wasn't about hatred. It was the uh, the South wanted to maintain their tradition and the North wanted to change. And this is an age-old dialectic that's been going on for centuries. Tradition versus change what what is your belief on why the Civil War was wrong now that answer I feel like playing it again doesn 't just disqualify her from running for office ever again. it disqualifies her from the human race she 's a Neanderthal, and that 's cruel to Neanderthals because they had a sense of community uh, this is just craven ambition. It is the reason we need to teach critical race theory. The fact that somebody as recently as 2010 would run for governor of South Carolina and, and, and say that the Civil War was wrong. She doesn't correct the Sons of the Confederacy. Not uh, not she doesn't say it was wrong for South Carolina to secede. She doesn't say that. Uh, What's your belief on why Lincoln? This was the question that she answered. What's your belief on why Lincoln was wrong for fighting to make South Carolina stay in the Union? Right. The party of Lincoln. She's running to be president in the party of Lincoln. And she's saying the Civil War was wrong. She is rendered stupid by her craven ambition. She is tricked into openly admitting that the Civil War was wrong. One side was fighting for tradition. One side was fighting for change. Well, the North, which was right, and the South, which was wrong, the South lost uh, the Ucraven uh, moron. The tradition was this. His name was Gordon. He was a slave in Louisiana. This is a picture. Let me, I got to warn you. I got to warn you. This is a picture taken of his back in 1863. It was distributed by abolitionists who wanted to change the tradition that Nikki Haley seems to be so understanding of. You see why it is absolutely necessary to teach critical race theory to ignoramuses like Nikki Haley? It gets worse and worse. Like I said, this doesn't disqualify her from becoming president. It disqualifies her from the human race. She is not a human being. South Carolina now, about 26%, 26.5% of South Carolina is African American. And I can assure you they're not voting for Nikki Haley, but they do vote. The African Americans in South Carolina do vote, which is why Joe Biden and the Democrats have made the South Carolina primary first in the nation. It's official. They they've they voted and it's been passed and South Carolina will replace Iowa and New Hampshire. New Hampshire is going to put up a fight, but uh, as of 2024, South Carolina will create the Democratic front runner from now on. Biden says it's in order to give African-Americans more of a say in choosing the nominee. And I like the idea of African-Americans picking our candidates. I'm just not too keen on anyone else in South Carolina vetting the Democratic Party's frontrunner. I'm not sure this was a great idea. Again, I like the idea of African Americans vetting our Democratic Party's nominees. There aren't enough in Iowa, there aren't enough in New Hampshire. I'm just not keen on anyone else in South Carolina vetting the Democratic nominee. If you remember, back in 2020, South Carolina served as the firewall to stop Bernie Sanders from getting the nomination. South Carolina picked Biden over Sanders. Even Warren, they picked Biden over Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I agree, Iowa and New Hampshire don't have enough people of color, but they do a pretty good job traditionally of giving left of center activists a shot. Not sure, South Carolina. Given who it has sent to Washington, that given who South Carolina sends to Washington as Democrats, Biden and Clyburn. Not sure South Carolina has earned the right to be first in the nation, picking the uh, front runner for uh, the Democratic Party. Uh, Nikki Haley, going back to Nikki Haley, she opposes an assault weapons ban. And as governor, she made it easier to get a gun, which is why South Carolina is in the top 10 when it comes to gun deaths in America. Thanks to Nikki Haley. Top 10. This is a record you can run on. Top 10 in gun deaths in America. Only Missouri, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Arkansas have more gun deaths than Nikki Haley's South Carolina. Now, I don't want to relitigate the Civil War. Apparently, Uh, people in South Carolina do, Uh, you lost. And when I see that the bottom rung of gun deaths belong to Missouri, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Arkansas, I'm not sure about Missouri and Arkansas. I don't know if they were in in the Confederacy. I'm not quite sure. But I do know they're red states and their leaders. I know uh Arkansas's Tom Cotton identifies with uh with the Confederacy and Josh Hawley in Missouri, pretty sure he identifies with the Confederacy and gun rights. I don't think we should be listening to these people when it comes to the assault weapons ban when you factor in that most of the gun deaths are in the states that have the most lax gun laws in America.
1: It's a great day in South Carolina.
0: If it's such a great day in South Carolina, Nikki Haley, then I have an idea. Why don't you stay there? if it's such a great day in South Carolina, don't run for office. Stay in your beautiful South Carolina and uh, don't bother us. Don't bother us. Uh, yeah. Let me, uh, I'm having a little bit of a technical problem. Let I me. Mean, there we go. Okay. All right. Uh, sorry about that. We do this show live. And uh, it's amazing that I just don't break everything. I may. Let's just see if I can do this. No. Damn it. Okay. Hang on. You. Okay. You're frozen on me. While I'm trying to fix this, uh, please remember that office hours starts at 6 p.m., on friday and all you need to do is go to my website and hopefully my website is working (laughs) this is just come on i uh man are you i'm not gonna curse you bastard uh what do you think about my computer software if you agree with me uh Please join the conversation in the chat, uh, the chat room. You bastard. I hate everybody. I really do. I can't believe this. Uh, oh, you mother. Want to watch a boomer lose it? I am told that there is a market on these video, uh, sites to watch an aging baby boomer have, uh, technical problems well okay uh that's it my notes i can't see my notes so i had i was going to talk about east palestine and uh other things but i can't uh find anything uh okay damn it please share this video not this part how long have we been doing this okay the first half hour was pretty good and quite frankly if this weren't I if I were watching a baby boomer falling apart I would find this to be the most enjoyable part of his uh, crappy little podcast watching him being reminded of what a loser he is this is gold this is this is the highlight of uh, of the week this is what people want to see uh I should just start breaking everything. The rage that I feel right now is uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, Nikki Haley converted to uh, Christianity. She was born a Sikh. Sikh, if you're Punjabi. This is what, and let's hope this works. Let's hope this works. This is from The Guardian, 2018. Okay, this is from The Guardian. I'm going to go full screen here. Does it work? I don't even know if you can hear me, but this is from The Guardian. The violence is always there. Life as a Sikh in Trump's America. Many Sikh civil rights groups believe that the Trump presidency is to blame for a 17 percent spike in anti-Sikh violence since the 2000. and sixteen election. And yes, I'm trying to fix my software. Um, uh, hang on. Hey, you know what? If you're, There we go. Hang on. I fixed it. Did I fix it? Okay. Let's pretend. Hang on. Let's, let's just do a clean. Let's pretend none of that happened. Okay. And you'll notice that this is live. Did I break anything? Did I curse? Did I did I curse? You have no idea what I wanted to say, but I have restraint. I shit my pants, but nothing filthy came out of my mouth. All right. Uh, the Guardian. My notes are here. Nikki Haley asked Pastor Hagee, if you remember, to speak at her rally. Now, uh, Pastor Hagee, Hates Jews, Muslims, Catholics, and homosexuals. I can assure you he also hates the Sikhs. And had Nikki Haley not converted to Christianity, if she were still a Sikh or a Sikh, he would not endorse you, Nikki Haley. You are not running to represent all of America You're not even running to represent women or Christians, which you purport to be. You're running to represent yourself and yourself only because you are a political animal of the worst sort. You're not human. And your party is run by animals just like you, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan. It's all about you. You are all Subhuman, and I'm tired of anthropomorphizing the people who run the Republican Party. I'm going to say anthropomorphizing again because I mispronounced it. I am tired of anthropomorphizing, and that's what I get for using a five-dollar word. If you're going to use a five-dollar word, a hole, learn how to pronounce it. I am tired of given, giving human characteristics to animals like Donald Trump, Jim Jordan, Ron DeSantis, Kevin McCarthy, Nikki Haley. And I'm tired of being told that you're humans. You're not. You're not. You're vicious and you're craven. Nikki Haley's parents, I believe, are still Sikhs. Six. This is from The Guardian. Okay. 2018. The violence is always there. Life is a sick in Trump's America. Many sick civil rights groups believe that the Trump presidency is to blame for a 17% spike in anti Sikh violence since the 2016 election, as well as a deluge of other discriminatory incidents in the workplace, in housing, in schools, at airport security checkpoints. The president's inflammatory language about immigrants and foreigners, they say, has made official profiling more prevalent and emboldened racists to speak and act more openly. I have a friend who's Sikh and was thrown out of a Trump rally for wearing a turban, because in Trump's world, in the Republican Party, there's no difference between a Sikh and a Muslim, because... This entire party is run by vicious, craven, ignorant Neanderthals. And they're already extinct. They're going away. But they won't be satisfied until they take us with them. That's their goal. These Neanderthals know they're extinct. But they won't be happy until we go extinct without them. And my apologies to Neanderthals. The more we've learned about Neanderthals, the more we've learned that they had a a sense of community, which these Republicans do not have. Well, we did it. We got through another episode. If you enjoyed this, Uh, And I don't know why you would, although I think I think it really kicked in at the end where I just fell apart. I thought that was that was my sense of showmanship uh, excelled there. Please share this. The only way people can find out about my show is if you, the listeners, share it. I have no corporate funding. I'm not part of any podcasting network who would have me. I'm not part of any charity, no corporate underwriting. Anybody who hears this show or watches this show, they only found out about it through their friends. So please copy and paste the link to this podcast, share it through social media or on email. If you would like to sign up for my newsletter, please do so by going to my website. My newsletter comes out an hour before office hour starts every Friday night at 6 p.m. It also contains the link for office hours. I make myself available to all my listeners through office hours at 8 p.m. till about 9.30 p.m. every Friday night. All you need is Zoom or we have a dial-in number, and I'll talk to you about whatever, whatever you want to talk about. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. You're listening to The David Feldman Show, you happy, self-actualized hump. We're going to do this. There are going to be no technical problems. This is Lou Mino. Lou Mino. He is an attorney who Tucker Carlson loves having on the show. I think Lou's also a fitness instructor, I also think he's named Lou because by the looks of things, that's where Lou spends most of his time, sitting on the Lou. Lou thinks the government has turned into a nanny state and it is making us all weak. You'd be hard pressed to find anyone more in need of a nanny state than this guy. Here he is earning his bread and butter, emphasis on the word butter, working to convince low-information voters who watch Fox News that the federal government, the regulators, are the source of all our immiseration.
2: You know, it seems like the government will not be happy unless they have us all eating kale, drinking carrot juice, and smoking weed.
0: <laughs> eating kale, drinking carrot juice, and smoking weed. You see, Lou doesn't smoke weed He hates kale and carrot juice because he hates anything that's plant-based, except for one thing, cigars. That's why Lou is on Tucker, because Lou wants to protect the rights of cigar smokers, not the rights of most Americans who not only don't smoke cigars, but don't want to breathe in Lou's carcinogenic secondhand smoke. Or at the very least, come home smelling like Rush Limbaugh's burial shroud. Yep, there's only one plant that Lou ingests tobacco. The one plant in nature that's bad for you, and lose for that. All the other plants that extend your life, nope. So, who's to blame for Lou's misery? Because all he wants to do is smoke a cigar. Give us all cancer and emphysema and stink up the planet. Who's to blame for all your unhappiness, Lou?
2: The government.
0: Yes, the evil, evil government. I noticed you're not wearing a tie. Who took it? The government. Yes, the government. And your shoelaces? Who took your shoelaces? The government. Yes, the government took your shoelaces and your belt. Who took your belt, Lou? The government. Yes, the government took your belt because the government thinks you're going to harm yourself with it, Lou. You look suicidal, Lou. Seriously, you look like you belong in a psychiatric ward until they can get your meds just right. Who took your hair? The government. Yes, because you tried to eat your hair, right? Okay, The government. We get it, Lou. We get it, Fox News. And we get it, Tucker Carlson. The government is evil, especially if it doesn't allow you to commit crimes. Donald Trump hates big government and their law enforcers because, you know, because of big government, his family is forbidden from running phony charities in New York state. The federal government made him and his father Rent to black people in the 70s. Because of big government, Donald Trump must pay his construction workers for overtime. Government is evil. Unless it's the Russian government. Donald Trump loves the Russian government because they've been great to Donald Trump. They made him president. Remember Russiagate? Republicans say all that was a hoax. So Bill Barr, when he was President Trump's personal attorney general, most presidents just have an attorney general. Donald Trump had Bill Barr be his personal attorney general. Bill Barr tried to show how unfair the federal government had been to Donald Trump. He wanted to prove that Russia Gate was unfair. So Bill Barr appointed a special counsel to investigate the whole Russia probe. Back when Trump was president, he and Barr set out to prove that the FBI, Robert Mueller, the Justice Department, they all conspired to frame poor Donald Trump. They tried to frame him on some phony charge of working with Moscow to get elected president. The Durham probe, right? But according to new reporting by The New York Times, all the Durham probe could find was more Trump financial malfeasance. Bill Barr, Donald Trump, and Durham set out to prove Donald Trump was the innocent party in all these investigations. But all they could come up with was more financial (laughs) crimes committed by Donald Trump. Okay, the whole idea of the Durham probe was to prove that the Russia probe was a hoax, but instead... According to The New York Times, the Italian government tipped the Durham probe off uh, to uh, tell them about more criminal financial dealings conducted by Donald Trump, which Bill Barr and Durham decided to bury and keep secret, which, if I'm not mistaken, is another crime. Uh, This is from The Insider. You might want to read about it. And uh, this is the story of the government not leaving Trump alone in Georgia. On Monday, a judge in Georgia said they will release portions of a special grand jury report looking into Donald Trump's criminal conduct in attempting to overthrow the 2020 election results in that state. The judge says they are making portions of the grand jury report public because the grand jury now has reason to believe that several witnesses may have lied under oath. Hmm. Lying under oath. I wonder which witness lied because that would be incredibly rude to lie under oath. You know, if we ever find out who that witness is, he will Rudy the day he ever decided to mislead that grand jury. Yes, he is going to Rudy the day he decided to mislead that grand jury. I'm not saying Rudy lied on the witness stand. I am saying that when Rudy was the mayor of New York City, it was all about the power of the local police they would scream it's Rudy time right before shoving a broom handle up an innocent suspect's rectum. Not making that up. Rudy was all about the local police stopping and frisking. His police chief, Bernard Carrick, ended up going to prison, but not because of his policing, because he was stealing from the government, including 9-11 first responders. Trump had a pardon, Carrick. And because... It's not the local police, but the FBI, the IRS, state attorney generals prosecuting Rudy Giuliani and Bernard Carrick and Donald Trump. We need to blame who, Lou? Who do we blame for all this? The government. Yes, we blame the government, the big bad federal government. Local police, good, so long as they're not working for Who is it again we don't like them working for, Lou? We don't like them working for the The government. government. We don't like the federal government, which is why opportunistic infection, Elise Stefanik, the number three Republican leader in the House, announced.
1: We will vote to protect every American's constitutional rights with a new select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal
0: government. Yes, a new select committee. To investigate the weaponization of our federal government. You see, the Republicans want us to believe that the federal government, which is owned and operated by corporate America, somehow has been weaponized against people like Donald Trump. When the federal government makes Donald Trump or people like Donald Trump obey our laws, then the federal government has been weaponized Donald Trump and the lick-spittles in his party, like Elise Stefanik, want us to believe that he, supposedly a billionaire, is powerless against a weaponized government that he oversaw. The president, who represents the richest 1%, is somehow the victim of a government whose only purpose is to protect people like Donald Trump. Hmm. Hmm. Which is why the congressman named to head the committee looking into the weaponization of our government is none other than wrestling coach Jim I didn't see hundreds of my players get molested Jordan. Jim Jordan thinks our government is weaponized because they won't stop looking into Jim Jordan's role in the molestation of hundreds of wrestlers at Ohio State. They want to know how it was possible that Jim Jordan's locker was right next to the locker belonging to a team doctor who molested hundreds, if not thousands of athletes, some of whom Jim Jordan coached. And somehow Jim Jordan. Didn't know about it. Donald Trump loves Jim Jordan. In fact, he loves Jim Jordan so much, at the end of his presidency, he awarded Jim Jordan the Medal of Freedom, one of the highest civilian honors any president can bestow upon an obsequious, obsequious fascist Jack bootlicker like Jim Jordan. The highest civilian honor, Jim Jordan, was given. He's right up there with other recipients of the Medal of Freedom. This is Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan awarding Mother Teresa. (laughs) The very same award Jim Jordan was given by President Trump. Also receiving the Presidential Medal of Freedom that Jim Jordan was given, civil rights pioneer Rosa Parks, and of course, Mr. Rogers, right? It, uh, it's a, did I show you? Yeah, okay, there's Rosa Parks, and there's Jim Jordan. Uh, there's Mr. Rogers uh, getting the uh, Presidential uh, Medal of Freedom from uh, George W. Bush, Mr. Rogers, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood because Jim Jordan isn't your son's wrestling coach. Can you say accessory after the fact? Sure you can, which is why, unlike Rosa Parks, Jim Jordan needs to give up his seat. But Jim Jordan is in charge right now of looking into the weaponization of our government. Weapons, Jim Jordan insists, are dangerous, except, of course, actual weapons like assault weapons that kill innocent, beautiful souls in Uvalde, Texas. Here is Jim Jordan last year after the Uvalde shooting. Here he is uh, speaking out against a weaponized government trying to take assault weapons away from weaponized school shooters. And today... Today, they're coming for your guns. 24 million of them. That's right. 24 million AR-style rifles are in the hands of law-abiding Americans today as we speak,
2: and those individuals will not be able to sell or transfer that property.
0: 24 million assault weapons, according to Jim Jordan, are under siege and must be protected. Jim Jordan, who took to Twitter last month... Asked, first they came for your guns, then your gas stoves, then your gas cars. What's next? Well, Jim, nobody took away your guns, your stoves, or gas cars. So when Jim Jordan asks, What's next? he means, What's the next phony thing we should lie about to scare our low information voters? into donating money to our lost cause. Well, how about this? Uh, On January 5th uh, of this year, El Chapo's son had an anti-aircraft gun in his bedroom when Mexico police engaged in a 10-hour gunfight with him. When they finally captured Ovidio Guzman last month, he had in his possession an anti-aircraft gun. So, what's next? Here's an idea. Our anti-aircraft guns, Jim Jordan. Tell your idiot low-information supporters that the government is coming for their anti-aircraft weapons. That way, you can serve the gun manufacturers and the weapons manufacturers by convincing these morons to start stockpiling anti-aircraft weapons. Create a brand new market out there of of sportsmen who like to shoot Chinese weather balloons out of the sky. Do this. You can get Americans to start buying anti-aircraft, anti-ballistic missiles by convincing Americans the government is taking their anti-aircraft weapons away from them. Because the gun owners in America are just stupid enough. Just stupid enough to believe our government is trying to take away their anti-aircraft surface to air missiles, even though nobody owns one yet. Yet. I can hear Jim Jordan telling Republicans, telling the NRA, Our founding fathers gave us the Second Amendment specifically to guarantee that a tyrannical government would not be the sole possessor of terminal high-altitude area defense systems that can shoot down intermediate-range ballistic missiles. But now, the woke left over at the Democratic Party, they're trying to prevent law-abiding citizens from possessing anti-ballistic missiles. These are not offensive weapons. These are for shooting Income missiles, incoming missiles out of the sky or weather balloons. This is purely for defense and sport, weekend sport. But the Democrats, they want to deprive ordinary law-abiding Americans of their constitutional right to defend themselves from an overly intrusive government. Sure, a couple of schools were destroyed by some crazies who accessorized their anti-ballistic missiles and made them offensive weapons, but that's a mental health issue. Plus, there's no reason Raytheon can't instruct teachers on how to operate their own terminal high-altitude area defense system to protect their classrooms. For as the great Wayne LaPierre often says, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a terminal high-altitude area defense system is a good guy with a terminal high altitude area defense system. So, Jim Jordan is looking into the weaponization of our government. And nobody loves this committee more than Donald Trump. The new House committee
2: on the weaponization of the federal government is a rare chance to expose the
0: breathtaking corruption of the security state Breathtaking corruption of the security state, unless that same security state is paying millions of dollars to uh, stay at a Trump hotel while they're part of your secret service detail, in which case, not so corrupt. This is from October of last year. CNN, NPR and The New York Times all report on records obtained by the House Oversight Committee looking into how Donald Trump ripped off the Secret Service to the tune of $1.4 million. The people protecting Donald Trump, he charged his Secret Service detail $1.4 million for the privilege of keeping him alive, right? They had a stay at all his resorts, $1.4 million, like $1,000 for a room. These are the men and women who are willing to die for Donald Trump. So what does he say to them? Give me $1.4 million. Continue, Donald Trump. The deep state, he says, is the biggest threat to our freedom in generations.
2: The deep state is very, in fact, deep-seated. It's the greatest threat American freedom in generations has seen.
0: You know, it's the The greatest threat to your freedom, because unless you get the Republican nomination, you're going to prison, Donald. In his speech, Trump said it was the deep state. This is in in his support for the committee for their weaponization, looking into the weaponization of our uh, deep state. Donald Trump said it was the deep state that pushed the crowd into attacking the Capitol on January 6th. Listen to this.
2: All the federal agents and informants and pressing the crowd toward the Capitol on January 6th.
0: Yeah, he wants the, the committee to look into federal agents and informants from the deep state pressing the crowd forward on January 6th. Listen to this. It's quite remarkable. Here we go. Listen to what he says.
2: All the federal agents and informants and pressing the crowd toward the Capitol on January six.
0: Yeah, so uh, it was the deep dark state that's responsible for January six, and uh, as it so happens, I have video from January six of a deep state actor who did in fact push the the crowd forward to invade the Capitol. This is a deep state actor. He's right. There was a deep state actor uh, leading the charge on the Capitol.
2: And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you.
0: Yeah, this is incriminating evidence from January 6th of a deep state actor encouraging an an insurrection. Uh, I believe this deep state actor ran, actually was in charge of the deep dark state.
2: We're going to walk down, we're going to walk down, anyone you want, but I think right here we're going to walk down to the Capitol.
0: Wow, there you you have it, the head of the deep, dark state encouraging an angry mob of armed supporters. Here's more evidence that it was the deep, dark state behind January 6th.
2: And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them because you'll never take back our country with weakness you have to show strength and you have to be strong
0: there you have it deep state actors encouraging the sedition the insurrection on january 6th donald trump is absolutely right but there's a problem. Now, they, the committee, the Weaponization Committee, held hearings last week. Uh, there's a problem over this new committee looking into the weaponization of the Justice Department and the FBI because Donald Trump insists the deep state was behind the attack on the Capitol. But there are other Republicans who do not believe January 6th was so bad. Donald Trump says it was the deep, dark state behind January 6th. But a Republican witness, a former FBI agent, Thomas Baker, who was there to testify about the dangers of this deep, dark state, he was asked by Democratic Congressman Colin Allred how bad January 6th actually was.
1: Mr. Baker, just to set a tone here, Do you agree that the attack on the Capitol on January 6th was an act of domestic
0: terrorism?
2: I don't know if that rises to the level of terrorism, quite frankly. It might. Well what what would
0: constitute domestic terrorism to you, sir?
2: Domestic terrorism is acts of violence to influence political decisions that's the, the what, you we were what we know what
1: we do
0: best. on January 6th every four years since well, January 6th to me looked like a riot it was a it was lawless conspiracy. it was
2: lawless there was property destroyed there was trespassing. there were people injured those and are all crimes thankfully
0: numerous courts and juries have disagreed with you and have found many of those insurrectionists guilty it was an act of domestic terrorism and I thank you for clarifying for all of us here
1: that you can't Decide whether it was or not.
0: Thomas Baker, who was an FBI agent before there were smartphones. He's it's been like 20 years since he was an FBI agent. Uh, He's a former uh, special agent for the FBI. He was there to testify on the weaponization of the deep, dark state with his 20 year old firsthand knowledge. But he can't decide whether January 6th was an insurrection or just a riot or an act of terrorism. Uh, But luckily, as Congressman Allred pointed out, several juries have not only decided it was an insurrection, they have also convicted quite a few January 6 participants for sedition. For example, Yale Law School graduate Stuart Rhodes is the founder of the Oath Keepers, and he... Uh, was convicted along with several others back on November 29th, 2022 of seditious conspiracy conspiracy to commit sedition against the United States government on January 6th. Then last month, uh, January 23rd, 2022, last month, four other oath keepers were found guilty of seditious conspiracy. Two juries so far have examined the evidence and concluded this wasn't a riot, as the witness for the weaponization of our government committee maintained. This was a planned sedition, a planned sedition. Here is the definition of a seditious conspiracy, according to our Criminal Code uh, 2384. I'm going to read it to you. If two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to, subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess... Any property of the United States, contrary to the authority thereof, they shall be fined under this title, or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. January 6: Seditious conspiracy. Well, back in 2020, during the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, remember, they were protesting the killing of George Floyd. Back then, FBI agents protecting the National Archives right after the video of Derek Chauvin killing George Floyd came out, right after, and the protests started, this was Memorial Day weekend, Uh, FBI agents protecting the National Archives famously took a knee to show not just solidarity with the peaceful protesters in front of the National Archives, but to send a signal on behalf of all law enforcement that we disapprove of Derek Chauvin killing George Floyd. But this Republican-led committee, looking into the weaponization of our government, believes that this was an example of our weaponized deep state, the FBI siding with Black Lives Matter siding with Black Lives Matter, even though, you know, uh, they're saying that the FBI was taking sides against the police, even though the FBI, they are the police. Congressman Darrell Issa last week during the weaponization hearings questioned former FBI agent Nicole Parker about the deep, dark state that she came to testify about, right? Nicole Parker, former FBI agent brought in by the Republicans because she believes there's a deep, dark state that is weaponizing the government. Here is Daryl Issa asking her to comment on her fellow FBI agents taking a, a knee immediately after the murder Of George Floyd.
2: Is that something that you think
0: represents uh, the neutralism of simply being law enforcement for the FBI basically to kneel in in support of Black Lives Matter? Daryl Issa showed the picture and asked the former FBI agent to help him get to the bottom of why FBI agents would take a knee in, in a symbolic gesture of disapproval with the murder of George Floyd. And uh, here was her response. I know that in that instance, they were um, guarding our national institutions and that they were, we heard that they were saying that they were trying to de-escalate the situation. But in those pictures, it appears that there are people smiling, clapping. It looked very far from de-escalation to me. It looked very far from de-escalation to her. The FBI smiling at the Black Lives protesters. That doesn't look, that's de-escalation, according to the charlatan. Daryl Issa, Congressman Republican, was concerned that during a protest in 2020, FBI agents, FBI agents, kneeled in support of Black Lives Matter. And Nicole Parker, the Republican Party's star FBI witness, says that uh, by kneeling, they were not de-escalating uh, the situation. Uh, smiling, taking a knee, showing support for the protesters, that's, uh, that's not de-escalation. Well, let me ask you a question, Nicole Parker. How about when Derek Chauvin took a knee on George Floyd? That was fine with you, Right? Right? That was de-escalating the situation, according to these racist morons. I'm telling you, I'm not cherry picking what happened during these hearings last week. This is what the hearings were about. They were insisting that the FBI has been weaponized because they took a knee during a Black Lives Matter protest. But Kyle Rittenhouse... Kills two, injures one when he fires his AR-15 at Black Lives Matter protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin in 2020. And for those same Republicans, he's a hero. Twenty five FBI agents take a knee outside the National Archives during the George Floyd protests to say law enforcement doesn't stand with Derek Chauvin. Republicans believe this is proof of the weaponization Of our deep, dark state. Law enforcement, right after George Floyd was murdered, law enforcement all over America took a knee after George Floyd was killed. This is Atlanta police. Do Republicans have a problem with Atlanta police officers taking a knee with Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter protesters in 2020, right after? George Floyd was killed. This is to de-escalate the situation. Cops in New York were taking knees in solidarity to tamp down the anger. This was the Memorial Day weekend in New York where uh, Lieutenant Robert Catani and a couple of others took a knee in New York City's Foley Square. This was May 31st, 2020, right after George Floyd Was murdered. And these New York City cops said, you know what? That's not who we are. We're taking a knee with you to de escalate the situation, to show solidarity with Black Lives Matter. Katani took a knee. This is from NBC News. The headline reads, and boy, I, I should. I should call this show, I Wish I Were Making This Up. This is the headline. NYPD lieutenant, that would be Katani, apologizes to colleagues for kneeling during George Floyd protest, right? The lieutenant told his colleagues he uh, had trouble sleeping after he made a horrible decision to give into a crowd of protesters' demands and kneeled alongside several other officers. Okay, I wish I were making this up, right? More from NBC News. This is written by Janelle Griffith on June 12th, 2020. A lieutenant with the New York Police Department who knelt alongside George Floyd protesters apologized for doing so in an email to his colleagues writing, the cop in me wants to kick my own ass. The cop in me wants to kick my own ass. You cannot make this up. The cop in me wants to kick my own ass. The civilian in me wanted to kneel in support of the peaceful Black Lives Matter protesters. But the cop in me Wants to kick my own ass because that's what New York City cops do to people who take a knee with Black Lives Matter. They kick ass. That's how Lieutenant Katani in New York decided to show solidarity with his fellow New York City Police Department officers. The cop in me wants to kick my own ass for taking a knee. Cops kick ass. We don't take a knee, we kick ass, especially the asses of Black Live Matter protesters, which is why New York City police cost more than $1.5 billion in the past decade for their kicking ass. Headline, this is from the New York Times, February 2nd, 2023. About two weeks ago headline, New York pays $121 million for police misconduct, the most in five years. And you never hear Republicans complain about the billions of dollars these ass-kicking police officers cost taxpayers all over America. There's no money for the child tax credit, but if the police want to kick ass, go ahead, we'll pay the damages. From the New York Times, okay. $121 million last year, right? But when you factor in property damage, New York City taxpayers had to cough up a hundred and eighty-four million dollars last year to pay for their police officers kicking ass. See, it comes out of our pocket. These guys kicking ass, working out their issues, right? We have to pay for it. Doesn't come out of their wallet, comes out of the taxpayer's wallet. So that officer who did the right thing right after George Floyd was murdered, he took a knee, but then he apologized. See, right at the beginning of the summer of protests in 2020, he apologized to his fellow cops, right? So New York City cops, they all stopped taking a knee. They they didn't de-escalate. Instead, they whipped out their batons for the rest of the summer and started kicking ass. They could have taken a knee, right? They could have taken a knee, but they decided to kick ass. AP, here is a... Uh, Story from this week. 146 New York City police committed misconduct during the 2020 protests, according to a a new report. Well, I read that and I said, well, that seems awfully low. Only 146 police officers. I read the investigations that The New York Times did describing the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020 here in New York City as a police Riot. Read the New York Times. They described the protests in 2020 as a police riot. Okay? Why only 146? Well, let me read you the AP story. Nearly 150 New York City police officers committed misconduct, including using excessive force, while responding to the 2020 protests over the killing of George Floyd, according to a new report released Monday by a civilian. Review board, right? Why is it so low? Investigations into more than 600 complaints about police conduct during the protest had to be closed because New York City police officers could not be identified. In many cases, that was because police purposely wore mourning bands over their badges or refused to provide their names, or because the department conveniently failed to track where their officers had been deployed. Yeah, but this uh, weaponization of our government committee is going to look into the FBI, right? Persecuting Donald Trump No interest in the police riots that took place across America in the summer of 2020. That they're fine with. The government, at least the federal government, is evil. That's what Lou Gilormino, the attorney on Tucker Carlson, insists. The government is evil. The government is evil. Not the police when they shoot an unarmed black man in the back. That's not our government being evil. Our government is evil, according to Lou and Tucker Carlson and the Republican Party, when they force wealthy corporations, the rich and powerful white people, to obey antitrust laws, OSHA laws, workplace safety laws, Environmental Protection Agency laws, those laws, when they're enforced, that makes the government evil. Well, my name is David Feldman, and leave a comment in the comment section below. Please share this video with your friends. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. And who's responsible for all your problems, Lou? The government.